0: All right, we get to begin a brand new study today. We're going to be in this four weeks. And why did somebody put my self-portrait up there? (laughs) It is called Money Matters. Money Matters. When churches start to talk about money, people start to feel awkward. I thought we'd just start there because as soon as we start talking about money, people start to feel awkward. I want to change that, though. Rather than feeling awkward where audiences start to feel stress and preachers get weird and they start talking things that make you feel pressure, we're not going there. I, what I really want this to be is something that changes all that, That is very nitty-gritty, it's very practical. Just to let you know God is crazy about you. He loves you. He has detailed plans to help your whole money matters thing go better for you so it's less stressful rather than more stressful. That's my goal for this series. If I don't live up to it, you can tell me, okay? Um, Be gentle. (laughs) I think this is going to be fun. Why? Because money is fun if you have some. Right? I mean, if you have some money, it's fun. Now, if you're broke, this whole money matter thing starts to get really, really stressful, and that's why we want to talk about this, to kind of help all of us learn the principles that help us in the whole money matters thing. So. I want it to be fun for you. I want you to be able to have more and to have fun in the money matters area. And God actually teaches us how to have more fun and have more and to be able to manage it in a way that honors him. So that's the kind of thing we're going to talk about for four weeks together. And this... Today is an overview session, we're going to kind of like skip a rock and hit five points really quickly, and then we're going to dive in a little deeper in some of the more nitty gritty ones in the weeks to come. So today is your strategy matters, your strategy matters. Now, true or false, a lot of people are not having fun with money matters. That's why we're doing this series, because that is true. Now, if you've made some really big mistakes with money, do you know what that makes you? Somebody said human. No, it makes you over 12. Because everybody under 12, they're still human also. They haven't made really big mistakes with money yet. No, if you've made some really big mistakes with money, it makes you over 12. Now, how many of you have made big mistakes with money? All right, great. How many of you are liars? All right, now, chances are that a lot of us made mistakes with money, and we're trying to learn from those mistakes, and we're going to look at five basic principles from the Bible to help us deal with money matters more effectively. And when I say basic, I really mean they're basic. I mean, when I say all five of these, you're going to go, yep, I get that. But that's not the issue. Just getting it isn't the thing. So here's our focus, all right? Our focus reads... Fixing our money problems is not that hard to understand. Doing something about it is the hard part, okay? So when I give you the five basic principles, first of all, if you're looking for easy, no. Easy to understand, yes. Easy to actually pull off, no. Because this is not a microwave recipe. (laughs) This is a crock pot recipe. (laughs) It takes a little bit longer to simmer and to work these principles that we're going to talk about and make them actually start to feel like, oh, oh, it's starting to feel more fun. Okay, yeah, this is fun. I'm making progress. This is fun. This is where we're heading together. Now, a lot of things, not just money, from God's perspective when he teaches us, we expect fast. We expect Miracle, but God teaches us in a lot of areas. You no, know, there's a lot of things that are slow. Seeds are slow. It's slow to grow seeds. Roots are slow. It's slow to grow roots. Husbands are slow. It's slow to grow husbands. Now, I say that because I am one, all right? It's kind of slow growth stuff. And as it relates to money matters, we're talking about some slow growth stuff. Now, When we say this, it's easier to understand, harder to do. You should already get this. I mean, after all, how hard is it to understand the principles behind dieting, right? All you got to do is eat less and... See? We all got it. But why is it that I still struggle? It's exactly that kind of thing that we're talking about. We still struggle with the areas that... We might understand how it all works, but for some reason we are in in a pattern. It's like we're in in these grooves in our car and the grooves get a little deeper and deeper. In this habit pattern, in this way of thinking pattern, and the grooves are deeper and deeper, it's hard to get out of the ruts and actually change something about the way you handle money. And so understanding it is difficult, but making it happen is harder. Now, I don't want you to get the wrong impression. I don't want you to start thinking, oh, got it, I can do this now. Uh-uh. It's not, I can do this now. It's, I need to pray and ask God to help me live this out. So, actually, that's how it works for me with dieting, too. The, I can do this now doesn't work for me. The more I pray about it, oh, that helps. I actually crave less, and that's working for me. So, same thing there also. Fixing our money problems. Is not that hard to understand. Doing something about it is the hard part. Now, let's start with the first basic principle. Number one, get out of debt. Told you it wasn't easy. <laughs> Told you it wasn't fast. Told you it's not microwave recipe. This is a crock pot Recipe: Get out of debt. But it's doable when you just start talking about it's doable. And you're, when I say get out of debt, some of you out there are going, you got to be kidding me. Jim, that's not possible. What are you talking about? Like, how can I do that? That's point number one. I just as well walk out. Well, no, 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 no. Don't do that. We're going to do the understanding part first, and then we're going to start applying some principles. We're going to dig into a little bit deeper and get some details later, but right now, just kind of a, uh, understanding fast pace this process. Now, debt, let's understand this first. Every single debt is equal to risk. You guys didn't like that one. All right. Most of us are so comfortable with debt, we don't even think about the fact that a debt comes with a risk. They did a really, really detailed research project, and here's what they discovered in the detailed research project, that every single foreclosure was foreclosed on a house that had a mortgage. (laughs) Right? So, I mean, every debt has an associated risk with it. So, that's an important piece to get a hold of. Now, let's jump into some scripture to just talk about how God teaches us to think in these terms. The rich rule over the poor. And the borrower is a slave to the lender. Okay? That's Proverbs 22:7. The rich rule over the poor. So, in some translations, those who are the loaners are the ones who are the masters and the poor are the ones who are the borrowers and they end up being the slave. That's really strong language. Slave to the lender. Now let's just put this in terms where we kind of get. I want you to imagine that I have this big old heavy links of chain and on the one end is a shackle and on the other end of the links of chain, heavy, heavy chain, is this big ball. So you got ball and chain and it's tied to my ankle. You imagining it with me? that's debt, okay? You're dragging this thing, it's baggage you owe, that you're dragging around with you and it makes it so that you're not very nimble. You can't do some of the things you want to do. You're actually a slave to a master and the master is the master that loans you the money. So some things that you might not be able to do are like early in our marriage, one of the things that we wanted to make sure that we could have as a part of our family experience was that my wife, Gina, could stay at home and be an at-home mother with her little children. And so I was blessed, very blessed, to have uh, somebody speak into my life and warn me about some of these things early and talk about the dangers of debt, the dangers of dragging this ball and chain. And so I learned early so that Gina didn't have to work and she could be a stay at home mom. Now, if I didn't learn those same principles and she wanted to be a stay at home mom, now she'd be dragging this thing along and then she'd be singing this tune I owe, I owe, so off to work I go, right? And she wouldn't be whistling while she works. She would be bombing out because her whole goal and desire was to be able to be a stay-at-home mom, but if we had taken out the typical, typical debts that most people have, with the income that I made, she would have had to work also during those growing up years when she didn't want to. She wanted to pour into our children's lives. Debt can change your thinking, and you don't even want to. Why? Because you have masters that you're serving. I mean, literally, you're a slave to a master card. You're a slave to a discover that you're in bondage card. You're a slave to the American distress, right? Now Gina and I did have huge amounts of debt when we got married. When we were engaged, we used to joke back and forth because we took out student groans, I mean student loans. So when we were married, we joked about how she wasn't my fiance, she was my finance. I mean, we combined our student loans and this is before we had computers and before we had spreadsheets, and so I made my own chart and graphed it in yellow and boxes and here's my payments, payments pasted one piece of paper together to the next piece of paper, to the next piece of paper, to the next piece of paper and rolled it all up and put it somewhere. 10 years, we paid it off in seven. (laughs) So that we could get rid of the ball and chain. (laughs) All right, now here's something we had to do to be able to pull that kind of thing off. Every car we purchased in those early years were beaters. They were really tough cars. Now, here's something we avoided. I want to just kind of walk us through the typical scenario in America on the screen. You want a car that is priced thirty thousand dollars. Who wouldn't? Ha 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 ha! Woo! It's four point two one percent interest over sixty months, five years. Uh, the payments were too high. Five hundred and fifty-five dollars and thirty-four cents. Are you kidding me? So you opted for seventy-two months. Now the payments are affordable. You're not smiling with me here. Did you know that that $475 a month is the average car payment across America with those people that have car payments? Whoa, the average is really high right now. Okay. Now you buy it. The moment you drive off the lot, the car you paid $30,000 for is a car that you can only sell for $26,000. Now, I didn't make this stuff up. I found this somewhere, okay? And the way that that works, why is that? Well, you didn't have any buying power when you went in because you're not buying cash. So you couldn't really spin a deal. So the amount that they are selling it to you for is actually more than you could have bought it for if you came in with cash. That's one piece of it. The other thing is depreciation on a brand new car is huge the moment you drive off the lot. In the first year, the average car depreciates nine percent, And so you will owe more than the car is worth for the duration of your loan. Don't buy depreciating items with debt. Can I say that any more clearly? Are we having fun? Okay, here's why. In six years, you'll have paid $34,000 for a car that was worth $26,000, and now after six years of payments, 72 of them, it's only worth $6,000. That is not a good deal, okay? Now, before we move on, I want you to imagine with me, just imagine, I don't know where you are, and maybe you're feeling a little stressed, I just want you to have fun, because I want to lighten your load, I really do. I want to make it so that your money matters situation becomes lighter, not heavier. I don't want to burden you, I want to help you. I want you to imagine not having payments with the income that you have. How things would change. That sounds fun, right? This is fun. So let's talk about how that is possible. So let's go to the next slide. It would be like this, what if, what if, you bought a cheap beater car for $2,000? This is, you know, you just entered into Jim and Gina's early marriage, you know, strategy process. You bought a cheap beater car for $2,000 just to get around for 10 months. You save the same average amount that everybody else is paying that they say is normal. By the way, normal? If that's normal, be weird, okay? Be weird, and you're going to be on the path to wealth, and I'm going to show you how being weird is the path to wealth, okay? Everybody else goes to say, well, I will always have a car payment. No, no, no. Here's how to get out of a car payment. Then you save $475, the car payment you would have had to pay for 10 months. In 10 months, you will have $4,750 plus $1,500 to $2,000 that you can get out of the car that you bought because it's depreciating a lot more slowly in those 10 months. You might be able to get every single penny out of it that you put into it, except for the gas and all that. You now have well over $6,000 to buy an upgrade. All right, upgrade after 10 months. In 10 months you have the same car you paid payments for for 72 months. The same car, and you only did it in 10 months. Wait, this is not magic. This is how bad it is to go into debt for something that's depreciating, okay? Now, it isn't fun yet. Let me talk about what's really fun. Now, you do it again. Now you're driving around the car that is a $6,000 car, you do it again for another 10 months, take that same $475, save, 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 build the interest, now you've got cash, and you buy an $11,000 car. Now you drive that around, you do the same thing instead of saving for a car, now you're on the path to wealth, and you save and invest. You start learning that if you invest that same money that you're perpetually in a car payment on, you will become very wealthy and retire early. Okay? So, just note, do not enter into debt for consumables or depreciating items. It's just not smart. Here's what somebody said about it. Summary quote. Don't get trapped in the debt hole by buying stuff you don't need with money you don't have to impress people you don't even really like. Do you know what debt is? It is financial whining. But I want it! Can you imagine if you're at the, this isn't how it really works. You would you're at the car lot, but I want it. It smells so good. It's so it's it's what I want. And it will get me to work. And it's just financial whining. I want it now. Now, we don't do that. We're more sophisticated. I need this. I need this because and you use lots of sophisticated words, but it doesn't matter how many sophisticated words you know, everybody around you looks at you doing that, and people who are financially wise, they go, that's a really stupid. That's what they know about the 72-month program for buying a car. They know. You're buying a depreciating item. This is just not smart. But financial whining will cause you to go, I want it. In the Bible, it's called Rationalizing. When you're rationalizing, here's what you're doing. You're trying to make a lie sound rational. So you're rationalizing, and here's the lie. The lie is, it's really a good purchase. It's really a good deal. It'd be a really good thing if I was that stupid and bought the money this way, okay? No, don't go away mad at me. I'm not trying to call you stupid. You're normal by our culture standpoint. I'm trying to help you be weird. I'm trying to help you be wealthy. I'm trying to help you have fun because money is fun when you have some. Okay? So that's what we're talking about. Nitty-gritty stuff to help you in your money matters. Point number two. Act your wage. That's not a typo. (laughs) Act your wage. That's not a typo. Now, what we mean by that is you've got to learn how to live within your means. You gotta learn how to purchase the way your wage earner would purchase. Now, in our culture, we don't act our wage. We don't just buy according to what we make. We actually buy everything that we, we spend everything that we make. And then we spend beyond everything that we make, and that's why we have this big, heavy chain with the ball we're dragging around. Because we're in the habit of buying on credit and buying with debt and thinking in terms of payments instead of buying what you can afford. Acting your wage is not easy. It is maturity. Now, scripture says this. In Proverbs 21:20, 20, we read, the wise store up choice food and olive oil. I thought we weren't talking about dieting anymore. No, 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 this is money, money. The wise store up those treasures in the ancient world. They stored up their choice foods and their olive oil and they could sell these and trade these, but the fool gulps theirs down. Another translation would say, fools spend whatever they get. So in other words, your bank account, if you're a fool, sounds like a wind tunnel. Every time stuff comes in, it goes back out because you're always spending everything you have. It's a wind tunnel. And God says, this is what fools do. But in our culture, it's become normal, not only to spend everything we make, but to spend beyond everything we make. And the Bible says, don't, don't, don't do that. Wise people spend less than they make and they store up a difference. It's not a win time. Their bank accounts actually have money in them. Here's another scripture. But godliness with contentment is great gain. This is Paul speaking to his protege, Timothy, 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. Here is the formula as to how to act your wage. Okay? You have to be able to break A fever. It's like you get this modern-day cultural fever. And this fever is a feverish acquisition mode. I don't feel so good. I just need to buy this, and I'll feel better. It's a feverish acquisition mode. I'm really not content. I really want this. And what Paul tells us is you're aiming your contentment in a wrong direction, and you'll never be content. People with God have a solution that's built in because with godliness and with a relationship with Jesus Christ where you trust him to provide what you need and the means to have what you need, now you can be content with what you have. I'm okay. I've just broken the fever. I don't need that. I'm content with God and what he's provided me and I can wait till I save for that. Now you can act your wage point number 3 get on a budget get on a budget isn't this fun aren't you glad you're here now i say that because this stuff when i say this kind of thing people go ah oh, this sounds so hard you're right it's just like a diet it's just so hard All right, I want it to be fun, and so I'm gonna use a question that Dave Ramsey asks, and here's the question that he uses. He says, if you worked for a company called You Incorporated, and you managed money for You Incorporated, the way you manage money for You, would You Incorporated fire you? We might need to slow down a little bit. All right, so if you actually had money that wasn't yours that you're managing this, your job to manage for somebody else, and they're holding you accountable for the ma- ma- money that you're managing. You're a finance asset manager. They're holding you accountable. If you manage the money that's somebody else's money, the way you manage your money, would you be promoted or would you be fired? Would you be promoted or would you be demoted? Okay? That's the question that he's, ans- he's asking. And what we need to understand is, Do you know that you are managing money that God holds you accountable to? That this is exactly what Jesus taught. It's not yours to manage willy-nilly. It's yours to manage as if you're the asset manager to determine from God's perspective, should I give him more to manage or should I demote him? Jesus actually gave a parable where he talked about uh, this wealthy guy with all this money, is, is gaining this much more, more money because he's managing pretty well. I want you to manage this, which is my money. And then a, a guy with a medium amount of money, I want you to manage this medium amount of money because I want you to manage it well for me. And then he gives a guy with just a little bit of money, and then I want you to manage this little bit of money and manage it for me. This period of time goes by, and the guy that had a lot of money doubled it. The guy that had a medium amount of money doubled it. Good job, good job. And the guy that had a little bit of money, he was scared. So he buried it. He didn't do a thing with it. Just because he didn't want to lose it. He says, Here, I didn't lose it. The guy says, I want you're an asset manager. Demoted, give me my money. Gave his money to the guy who had the most money, who could do the most with his money. And we're thinking, wait, that doesn't sound fair. The guy with the little money is demoted, and the guy with a lot of money gets more. What Jesus is saying is, if you were an employee or employer, Who do you promote? Who do you entrust more responsibility to? Who do you give more to? You give more to the one that's doing well with what they have. This is true about everything, not just money. Think about that. God entrusts you with your wage and so now you need to figure out how to make that wage be well-managed, And now he can bless you if you manage it well. That's what Jesus is teaching. Whoa. Never looked at it like that. We need to start looking at it like that. Now, here's another scripture with some wisdom. It's Luke chapter 14, verse 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? Common sense, right? All right, so let's just imagine this. And since it's imagination, let's imagine big. Okay, asset manager, here's a million bucks. Now imagine with me, and now the asset manager says, here's what I want you to do with it. So this is real specific. I want you to build a million dollar house with my money. I'll let you live in it. So make it with a million dollars, all right? Would you hire him? Why? He's got a paper bag plan for a million dollar house. Don't hire a guy with a paper bag plan for a million dollar house, okay? Now here's my question to you. God isn't gonna entrust to you a lot of money throughout your lifetime. Are you running your money through a paper bag plan? Or do you have a really good plan for what you're trying to do? Okay, that's what a budget is. It's a really good plan for what you are trying to do as an asset manager with what you've been given. So what is a budget? A budget is basically you direct everything you spend ahead of time before you spend it. You call every expenditure by name. You create names that you and your spouse agree on. And then you agree on these names as the categories that you keep track of. And then you see how this, keeping track of this set of names and pre-planned spending, when the financial whining kicks in, you go, but it's, I want it. But it doesn't fit your plan. It doesn't fit your budget. You act your wage and live within your budget and in your plan, by the way, Happy wife, happy life. It really works well when you're working as a team with a plan, point number four. Save and invest, save and invest. It really isn't about earning more because you can't out-earn your own stupidity. A lot of people are busy trying to get more money, more money, more money while they haven't solved the feverish acquisition mode. They haven't solved the financial whining. I want it now. They're living life in a paper bag plan and they're not pre-directing their money. And so they just buy and buy and buy and then they're trying to, oh, I gotta make more money. You need to go to work too, honey. And then you all have to work to make the thing that you're dragging behind you manageable, okay? No. all of this works together. There's no way you're going to save if you don't get out of debt. There's no way you're going to save and build if you don't have a plan and work your plan. If you're not acting your wage, none of this works. You have to work it all together. Scripture says, now we saw this before. The wise store up choice food, Proverbs 21, 20 again, and olive oil, but the fools gulp theirs down. Wind tunnel, <laughs> I'll spend everything that I make. No, 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 no. Wealthy people don't spend everything they make. They save and invest, and it becomes the path to wealth. Now, wealth not for their own sake. That's where it gets fun. You can use wealth for all kinds of great things. So, first thing you need to do, though, is save for an emergency fund. Do you know why you need to save for a rainy day? Because it's going to rain. (laughs) That's why. Money magazine says that 70% of you will have a major negative financial event in any given 10 year period. Kind of interesting to me that people who are broke have a lot of crises. It's one crisis after another. I can't believe it's happening. Now there's this, and now there's this, and now this. It's just going so bad. Broke people feel that. Crisis after crisis after crisis. Once you build an emergency fund, it's really strange. It's almost like this emergency fund is a pssst, 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 pssst. It's Murphy repellent. It's really it's weird. It's like how come we had all these crises before? I don't even know if that's right. All the bad stuff happened before, and now it's like smooth sailing when we have an emergency fund. It's kind of interesting how it works that way, but it definitely feels like that. I remember we first got out of the wind tunnel <laughs> and actually had some emergency contingency funds. It's like, my computer busted, and I was threatened like back in the old days when there was nothing. Was like, oh, I was lamenting with a friend. Oh, my computer's dead. It did that ugly blue screen. I can't get it back, And blah, blah, blah. And he says, do you have any money? I said, well, yeah. He says, isn't that what it's for? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no big deal. I used it precisely for that. No crisis. Hello. It works. Save and Invest. Point number five. Give. I'm not going to say much here. Let's just let God do the talking. Here's Malachi. Malachi says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. In the first service, I'm, I said on accident because I said it too fast. The Lord Almighty. No, 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 no. Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. All of this works together, though. There's no way you're going to be able to give generously. And I think most people would love to be generous because generosity is fun because you have money and you can actually make people's day and make a big difference. It's like, this is fun, (laughs) And why would God want us to be generous? Because God is generous. And he wants us to be like him. Sometimes we think God is irrationally generous. He sent his only son. He gave us his son. Not because we deserve his son, not at all. He's just generous, loves us that much. Now, he gives us his son in such a way that he now wants us to be like his son and become irrationally generous also. But it all has to work together so that it's fun. We're going to take an offering in a moment. We almost never talk about it. If you're a guest, don't feel anything like you should put anything in the plate because I don't want you to put anything in the plate until you get through this stuff and you start go, this is fun. God has brought me through. This is hilariously great. I am free. I can be generous. I believe in what this is doing. I want to invest too. So until you're there... Don't worry about it. We're doing just fine. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you want us to work on these five areas and you taught us about it. And that as we work on these five areas as a whole system, you'll grow us up, you'll give us a lighter load. We'll be able to share with others, hey, this really works, and be excited about it. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to learn in the weeks to come, and want to be back to hear more. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I didn't announce something in this service that I did in the first one. One of the things I'm looking forward to most in this series is that we have a guest speaker coming. He's nationally known. He's a radio talk show host, Dave Ramsey. He's going to speak... He's going to speak on the third session, not next week, but the week after that. He will not be here in person. Okay? We're going to be showing him on the screen, but it will be fun. I hope that you'll come to this whole series. We're going to learn some nitty gritty stuff, it's going to be great. God bless you.